You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Merry belated Christmas. Happy socially distanced holidays. I hope you guys have had some much needed time off and spent them with your loved ones. I know we did. And today, of course, though it's the holidays, doesn't mean we take our finger off the trigger. We need to know what's going on in our local marketplace. And if you're like me, you just enjoy doing it as well. So today we're going to cover some fantastic topics covering the latest news. Now, the news cycles are obviously longer during Christmas, but that doesn't mean that there's not a crazy amount of information for us to still digest and translate into tangible information for us to use as investors. And, uh, I, and I love to share this stuff with my clients. So hopefully you guys are getting value from the channel. If you are, please hit that like, subscribe button. And we're gonna continue to put out, as we round into the new year, some wonderful content. So today, we're gonna talk specifically at the beginning, we're gonna talk about rent prices. We're gonna start to have this conversation between the difference of rent in talk about like the condo space or versus the actual resale market. How are these things going to mix? Are they going to overlap? Are they separate? What are the forecasts saying? So we're going to start off with the rent prices. Are they expected to rise or drop in 2021? We're going to talk about that with quite a bit of clarity, actually. And what do top realtors predict will happen in Toronto's real estate market in 2021? This comes from a Toronto Stories article where they interview some top realtors to really discuss what do you think is going to happen? What are some trends that you think are coming down the pipes? But we're going from start to finish with great content because we're going to close with why are the suburbs poised to become a quote extreme sellers market if there is a, a bubble that could form in the coming years i believe it will happen in this low-rise space i want to talk about why i think that i want to talk about the trends that are taking place there's so many goodies for you here today and um, so let's start off. You know, I like to have some fun. So we're going to start off a little lighthearted because my this Christmas, I got the best gift. We got our daughter, Emily, was a trampoline, which is a fantastic gift for kids, by the way. <laughs> so I, I was thinking <laughs> that I should go start a trampoline business in Prague. I hear business is good, <laughs> but the checks keep bouncing. <laughs> uh, there's nothing worse than telling a trampoline joke and nobody understands it. It's okay, I'll bounce back. Here we go. All right, so let's start off with our first question. Are rent prices expected to rise or drop in 2021? We can't know the future until we understand the past. And so we're gonna start off with this article, blogto.com. Toronto rents plummet for 12th month in a row and will keep dropping. Will keep dropping. Interesting. Here's some of the factors they point to. Stricter operating rules for Airbnbs and bans on short-term vacation rentals implemented at points this year. A forthcoming vacant home tax and an exodus of people from urban centers. Now, that's not an exhaustive list. There's definitely more. So they're going to talk about some of the stats. Where are we today? Toronto rent prices. First off, the latest GTA rent report from torontorentals.com and Bullpen Research and Consulting, they say nearly 20% lower rents in November 2020 than there were in the same month of last year, averaging 2,066 for all property types in the downtown core. Now, what about the GTA? Because we obviously see 20%. That's quite significant. Well, the GTA as a whole, the average figure is down 16% than last November. So it's not like any one category. Yes, there's there's differences, but generally speaking, rents are down across the GTA as a whole. And when we break it down even further into types, because maybe you've got different 
you know, types of properties in your portfolio. When we look at the one bedroom apartments, they got hit the hardest at 17.7%. Now when we look at rental apartments, right? Apartment to apartment, just one's a condo, one's a, one's a specific rental apartment. That one fell 9.1% and single family homes fell 8%. So quite a big difference between the condo and the apartment. We're going to talk about which one our city needs shortly as well. But they say, thankfully for tenants in the GTA, this latest report indicates that rent prices will actually continue to decline during the first half of 2021. So this is interesting because we're gonna to start to talk about condo prices because a lot of these rentals that are getting specifically hit, as we heard in the one bedrooms are in the condo space. Is this gonna translate into declining prices? Yes or no? I think that was a big factor for 2020. And I don't know if that's gonna be the same in 2021. But they say after which, after the first half, meaning the second half, they see a rise, quote, modestly and a spike in rental prices in 2022. Very interesting. I took this up from another article as well. Same information chewed on differently. Now Toronto.com had an article called Toronto Rent Prices to Drop in 2021 and Rebound in 2022 Report. Here's what they say. Recent Toronto real estate forecasts predict rental prices will keep sliding until mid-2021 before recovering in 2022. Meanwhile, meanwhile, sale prices for homes are expected to continue rising. I'm not going to jump into it in this case, but we're starting to get this indication of rising prices. Are they talking about the low rates? Are they talking about the condo? I think yes to both. I think they're including all of that, which is why I don't want to focus on this part. But I do like the stats that they had in this article, because the question is, is by how much? How much are we going to drop in 2021? Now, Toronto, they say the rent will drop approximately $100 per month by mid-2021 from November's average. $100 per month. Interesting. What is causing the slide? This article attributes it to the vacancy tax in Toronto. This will be very interesting. I don't think it's the only thing. I think Airbnb continuing to switch to long-term rentals will also pose a problem, not to mention, you know, legs on immigration. Are people going to go back to school? There's so many question marks. So many question marks. The need for space, right? But they say the vacant home tax compels landlords to reduce their rates, fill empty properties, and mitigate the housing crisis. Interesting. So here's the prediction overall as we wrap up this article. Rental prices will slowly rally in late 2021 before sharply rising. They say 13 or 14% in 2021 to approximately 2300, which is still below 2019's peak average of 2454 per month, the report states. So we're playing a little bit of catch up, even though it's going to be an incredible growth, still not going to put us above where we sat in 2021. In the end, the rental market will show itself to be a trampoline. Big bounce is on the way. That's the note that I have. Unless it's uh, it's got a max weight on the jumper of 200 pounds and my foot goes through it. <laughs> then daddy will definitely have a spring in his step. <laughs> Speaking of which, let me show you guys at this point, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see, tell me this isn't the most gangster, ugly sweater you've ever seen. It says happy birthday, Jesus. The reason for the season, folks. Get right with God. Let's go. All right. But we're going to move along before we wrap up this topic, talking about uh, condos, rents. I, I love this conversation they have here. TorontoStories.com had an article that says, if rent and condo prices have dropped, why haven't residential land costs? Question mark. Why haven't the values of land gone down? Interesting. So they, I interviewed this guy, Ben Myers. There's a lot to this article. It's actually very lengthy, but I wanted to pull out the, the, the nuggets. 
I mean, that's that's why you're here, right? Toronto real estate analyst and commentator Ben Myers. Here's what they said. It may be natural to wonder whether the cost of residential land for Toronto's shiny new condo developments will move in the same downward direction, but it hasn't yet. And it likely won't anytime soon, if at all. Quote, I fundamentally believe the rent drop is a short-term phenomenon brought on by COVID. And with land development being a long game with many projects taking five to 10 years from land acquisition to occupy and register, developers are thinking long-term. This reflex, this reflex response that we've had in the Toronto market, specifically in the condo space and in the rental space, is by nature, short term. So developers, they don't seem to be picking this up. They say there's a lag factor where land prices tend to be more stable and steady. So we're not surprised that land hasn't adjusted immediately because it's too soon. It's too soon. This needs to be an ongoing trend. Years, not months, years. So there really exists a lot of optimism in the market because of two things, two reasons I find here in this article. Number one, land pricing is fairly sticky with many owners wanting to get top dollar similar to what the last property sold for. There's a sticky. We got that in the residential side too, but you're unfortunately, if everyone else is selling low, you don't have much choice. In this case, there's not as much, there's no speed necessary. Just take your time. Like we're, Wait till what you get, right? That's the first reason. Number two, secondly, land sales activities and land price growth is highly correlated with new pre-construction condo sales and price growth. So it makes sense for landowners looking to sell to be patient. The same explanation that we're giving to you condo owners, just be patient, just take your time. Definitely wait till the end of this podcast. You can get excited. If you missed our last one and you're just tuning in today, it's a great time to be a condo owner, huh-ish. <laughs> Better than it was a couple months ago. So they're also being patient, just as condo owners should be as well today. We have yet to see, quote, blood in the water with power of sales or receiverships on land holdings resulting from COVID, which would bring down average land prices. As we've been tracking this, this whole COVID thing with the power of sales, we were really thinking there'd be a lot more opportunities to grab a deal, but with things like CERB, not so much. We'll talk about that as well in a bit. All right, let's move on to topic number two. What do top realtors predict will happen in Toronto's real estate market in 2021? What do the pros say? Don't look at me. I'm just reporting it. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, TorontoStories.com top realtor predicts what 2021 has in store for Toronto real estate market. They interviewed some of the industry's smartest people to get their take on how high the market will bounce. Better to get insight from them than little old unprofessional me. I'm not even wearing my jumpsuit. <laughs> jumpsuit anyways okay there's so i want to break this down into a couple categories because they kind of positioned it on what do you think this going to do what do you think it's going to do so we're going to start off with our first one which is the influence of the vaccine what's the vaccine going to do and i'll name a few of the agents as we go through they got the first guys dorian rodriguez of psr brokerage quote this will definitely influence many people who are sitting on the sidelines to feel more comfortable allowing people through their homes and to actually go out and visit available properties got Deanna Popovich from Chestnut Realty. With the vaccine being released, historically low interest rates, which are here to stay, and the high level immigration targeted by the feds, 2021 has all the gunpowder it needs to be a record setting year. Optimism, optimism, optimism. Donna Balika, Forest Hill Realty says, I think in the spring, the prices will jump up again, just like we have, we used to have in the past every year, maybe 10% on average. Let's just throw the numbers out there. Why not? Why not? So the vaccine is bringing a lot of optimism. What about the lockdown? 
right? Because you'd think if you got optimism on the vaccine, you should have negatives on the lockdown. Well, we're talking to realtors here. Let's get real. <laughs> Devel Morrison says people will want change and more space. People now have to live, work, work out and go to school at home and their four walls will seem even smaller after another intense lockdown. I agree. I agree. When this next lockdown eases, the people who didn't make a change the first time around will look for change in their living conditions the, to the second time around. So the knowing we're going to come out the tail end of this, I think there's a spin on this lockdown that the lockdown's actually going to push prices again on the tail end of it. Yes, it'll slow things down a little bit now, but we've already seen that that's not enough. Quote, this will allow the resale housing market to continue at the same upward trajectory we have seen over the last few months. Yes, spring lockdown 2020 slowed the market down, but look what happened after. So what happens now? We start to get a lockdown at the beginning of 2021. What do we expect? What do we expect is going to happen next time? Do you blame these realtors for having this level of optimism? I think it's important that we look at that, right? It's the reason that they're bidding all their clients up against each other and pushing the prices in the first place. <laughs> Woohoo, 5% commission. All right, what about our next topic? The downtown condo. What happens there? And I love this because it's taking a different perspective because you guys will get mine later in the show. Quote, I suspect the high levels of inventory to be picked up as soon as, here's the cue, students start returning to school and to be further spurred by recently announced government programs helping first-time buyers enter the market. So that's what they're saying could be the trigger. Also, don't forget about those historically low rates, some of which we have seen go below 1%. Recovery will come in the form of immigration, foreign students, and a return to offices. This will be as fast or slow as the government allows for these sectors to open up. I do think we have seen the bottom. Interesting. And this will provide opportunities to first-time homebuyers and investors. I think this market will turn around in the second part. We're talking part two of 2021, if not a pinch sooner. That's what they say. I don't know. We'll get, we'll get to my thoughts on the condo and what we're seeing there in a minute. But what about this question of extra space or even luxury real estate? Here's what they have to say about that. I can see the luxury market continuing to flourish, especially with consumer confidence going up, as well as a surge in the two-bedroom condo market. More space, more luxury. Closer to downtown, no problem. Lots of space for me and my loved ones. With COVID pushing home prices to record highs, I foresee 2021 being the year of the, quote, the livable condo. Never heard that terminology before. Maybe we'll see it again. The livable condo. Right? Larger layouts with unique factors like views, higher ceilings, places to breathe, holds more oxygen. Woohoo! <laughs> with uh, w that will be the all stars they say for 2021. But here's another thought that I I don't know. Interesting, interesting thought here. Talking about multifamilies. Maybe you got a duplex, triplex, quad, plus anything downtown. Listen to this. There will be a lot of multi-unit houses for sale. For sale. As landlords, especially near universities. Oh, the universities are going to get hit hold that thought, are struggling to rent their units. They can't find tenants. We see this in college towns that happened in 2020 for sure. We will see a trend of two or three families buying these properties together, almost like a co-living space. So we want to get closer. People trying to get rid of the rental spaces because it's like, I don't want to deal with rentals and tenants. It's such a bad environment apparently for that. Meanwhile, we need people for affordability sake to be able to move in together in co-living. An interesting thought, an interesting trend. Very interesting. Then there's this question of affordability, the missing middle, as it's called. I just had a power outage. Did you see that? <laughs> I think we're still running. Let me just make sure we're running. Yeah, we are. We're good. How about that? We just had a blackout at the Watson residence. All right. 
affordability, the missing middle. In two weeks, we're actually going to have an interview. I've already recorded with James Burton from Percy Ellis. If you don't know or want to learn a little bit more about the missing middle, what developers are doing, their take on that, definitely check that out. I think you're going to love it. Okay. And here's what they have to say about this missing middle. They say, they're talking specifically about the city, said it can cost $100,000 plus to turn a single family dwelling into a triplex. Until the development charges are drastically reduced, there will be no change. I think this is so interesting. They say, it's nice that the government is saying, yeah, we're giving all these supports. You can do these laneway housings, go for it. But they say the opportunity only really exists for those who have significant equity in their home, like $300,000 to build a house. If you got that lying around, good for you. But maybe it's really just a show. Maybe it's just the city trying to appear that they're doing the right thing, but then they miss a critical element so that the status quo remains. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting thoughts as we round into the new year. The point is the city's not using a trampoline. They're using a trampoline. <laughs> Damn government. It's like a trampoline, except uh, you never bounce back from it. <laughs> And then the rental market we won't get too much into. They say the vaccine and immigration are the big causes for that. Let's let's tag along here. I, I wanna. I think we're getting a little, a little too deep. Screw it. Moving on. Renters will be looking for renovated condo standards. Renters they want more stuff. They want more stuff. They want more score footage. Footage. So the people who are offering these housing types, they're going to need to address them. They're going to need to address those. So we can pretend. We can all pretend to be fortune tellers. All we want. But there's no money in that. There really isn't. Here's a business idea. <laughs> Be the guy who sells trampolines to fortune tellers. Just watch. Profits are going to go through the roof. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into our hot topics. Please hit that like, subscribe button. You need to be able to pay my electricity bill and uh, support the channel. You can tag us, wish us a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year at Watson Estates on Instagram. And you can also get on our investor list if you want to get off-market deals, apartment deals. That's what we're doing. That's the space we're in. And here's why. Hot topic number one, a major US-based student housing provider that plans to become a significant player in Canada has acquired the 12-story, 188-unit campus commons residence adjacent to Ryerson University in Toronto. The company is called Blue Vista LLC of Chicago. Wait a minute. I thought student housing was garbage. Oh, well, these guys don't think so. And if they're going to make an attack, they're making a move into the Canadian market. Where are they starting? Little old Toronto, right? They say this, quote, in studying this venture and picking our top Canadian markets that we wanted to invest in, Toronto and Ryerson University is certainly at the top of the list. You start in Toronto. You go out from there. In the U.S., they have a much more mature student housing market, and some of those players have shown they really want to have a footprint in Canada. So there's two things I get out of this. Number one is there's still optimism in student housing, and there's optimism downtown in our universities. They're, they're making a call. Then the long term, there will be students attending Ryerson University. Number two is the competition is heating up from big players who have established roots in the United States. So be ready. Add a couple big players from the U.S. and it's a total game changer. Did you know trampolines they used to be called jumpolines until your mom used one back in the 80s? <laughs> game changer. <laughs> Popping your mama jokes. That's how we get the likes in here. We're wooing you guys in with your mama jokes. All right, The Star. TheStar.com had an article. U.S. housing experts paint dire picture of upkeep availability of private rental apartment units in Toronto. When I first saw this article, I thought, eh, just sounds like, you know, you're just being mad at Toronto again. But they had such good points. Listen to these points. The first one is a sex, a, 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 
accessibility for immigration. Oof. All right, let's draw them in for the right reasons. A group of American experts who recently visited Toronto to provide insight on what to do about tower renewal says this city's 1% rental apartment vacancy, which has obviously gone up recently, has created a, quote, dire situation in terms of economic growth. As landlords, we can get a little greedy and think low vacancy, that's fantastic, means rent rates are going to go up. Yes, but as a country, it makes sense if vacancy rates are low, why would they go there? You think they're trying to get off the airplane and look for a place to live and know that there's nothing available? No, they want a place where they can actually find a home. Quote, in a city that wants people to come, work, and make their way up, a city that is full of immigrants, a rental housing unit is the first stepping stone to a good future into the Canadian dream. So if we've got vacancy rates at these ridiculously low levels, which I think we'll start to see again in a couple of years from now, when we start to see these explosions in rent rates again, that is not a market that's going to encourage immigration to our city. So there's a give and a take. You're undercutting the basis of what economic growth is by not producing adequate rental housing. If immigration is Canada's bungee cord, as we jump off a bridge, we better make sure they come. Protect them as much as possible. Listen, Canada. <laughs> I came into this world because of a broken rubber. I'm not leaving because of one. <laughs> Talking about bungee cords. Okay. <laughs> That's such a dumb joke. All right. Inf investment in infrastructure. This is the other point to this article I thought was really good. We haven't kept pace. This is Americans looking at us and saying, you guys have not kept pace with the aging of the buildings. For instance, many don't have updated heating systems and windows and are inefficient and susceptible to failure. What kind of igloos got windows anyways? For example, the city could offer a, quote, government grant or no interest loan as a percentage of construction costs to owners who are willing to include a modest additional affordable housing goal in their renovations. So we need to get creative, make sure these buildings are not just there, but are kept up to as well. Which brings me to this question of condos versus designated rental apartments. Which is better? Which one do we want? Clearly, we saw bigger price drops in the condo space than we did in the rental apartment space. These might be some of the reasons why. Among several other recommendations, the ULI report says, quote, structural biases that favor condo construction over rental apartment buildings need to be removed in Toronto. We got to make it easier for people to build designated housing in the rental apartment space. The project approval process for apartment buildings needs to be streamlined and shortened. While some condo units end up in the market as rental units, which would be the opposing argument, they shouldn't be considered a substitute for dedicated rental stock. Why? Why are they not the same? Some of you investors out there might know the, the answer. If not, it's because condos can be sold by the owner at any time, which displaces renters. And we've seen that. In addition, condos are targeted toward a higher income market and generally aren't sized for a family. They're not building the right size unit. Back to this problem of the missing middle. Okay. Next hot topic, Serb payback. I saw this really interesting post from Scott Terrio on, on Twitter. And he, I'm not going to read the entire post for you, but I thought it was a very interesting thought, something we need to keep in mind as we round into the new year. Wait till Trudeau starts acting, he start, starts collecting those Serb payments. There's going to be a couple issues. Issue number one that he points out is that the gross amount was how people looked at. So if you're self-employed, you say the gross amount's got to be 5,000. Okay, I got 5,000. But now the government's turned around and said it needs to be net income 5,000. You guys have probably seen this article we've talked about in the past, which means in that scenario, you owe the full amount back. 
I want to see come up with over $10,000 to pay back to the government. That's issue number one. Issue number two, maybe you took it and you were allowed to have it, but are Canadians savvy enough to set aside the tax portion despite all the warnings in the past months to do that? Are Canadians positioned and understand how that actually works? I don't think people are that business-minded. Some of you listeners probably are, but how many Canadians are not? Will Canadians be ready for their tax bill my guess is no. It'll be interesting to th see how that all plays out. There's no safe landing for this airplane. Maybe we just try and put a trampoline underneath it. I don't know. <laughs> you know what sound it would make? Boing. <laughs> Boing. Anyways. <laughs> all right, last topic. Why are the suburbs poised to become an extreme seller's market? Why? Why? Specifically, I want to keep this idea of mind of a bubble. And I want to give some optimism to condo owners, okay? That's what this last point is going to do for us here today. Start off with Better Dwelling, the least optimistic article you can have today. Toronto condos are the only housing in Canada that became more affordable. They're more affordable, right? I love, okay, so here's what they did before I give my, my thinking on this, okay? So what they did is they took the percentage of income a medium household would need for repayment and they compared it across Canada, the Canadian Real Estate Association. They're analyzing this info. They said almost every market across all segments of housing saw affordability deteriorate except one. So affordability got worse for everyone except for one. The only market to see an improvement in affordability was the Greater Toronto. They say it was Greater Toronto, the GTA. Greater Toronto real estate saw affordability deteriorate. All oh, your affordability is deteriorating at a lower level than the rest of the country. So you're not deteriorating as much. <laughs> it's like deteriorating is a good thing, <laughs> right? They say, so this article is being written like it's a bad thing for Toronto, but that doesn't make sense. Are we just pretending affordability is an issue? Because it seems affordability hasn't been as big an issue in Toronto this year. And now that's a problem. All the while, we're hoping prices to rise to ridiculous levels. So what we're, what I read from when I see these articles, it's like you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too, unless it's a mutual birthday between my wife and I, which we had last week, and we, and we did both. <laughs> but you can't you can't argue for affordability, and then the moment Toronto is the only one that didn't have issues in the affordability segment, get mad because we're not experiencing price growth. Like you can't you can't flip flop here. I'm all for no affordability, by the way. If we're okay, if we as a society agree we want prices to continue to rise, I'm for no affordability on the purchase side. We just need to have a place for people to live. Make sure you guys listen to that James Burton interview. You guys are gonna you're gonna love it. Okay. So here's some support that I want to share for you condo owners. If you missed our last podcast talking about what are the, I'm starting to see there's a bit of building blocks that are kind of supporting the condo space. Not to say it's completely resolved, but it's definitely worth checking out. Okay. Definitely worth it. it might be enough for some of you to pull the trigger on that condo purchase. So there was a, a post from Scott Ingram that was a month of inventory chart for 416 condos. And I'll tell you, this is latest update was in December 22nd. The one that we saw before that was De December 15th. December 15th was at 2.7 months of inventory. At December 22nd, it's now dropped again at 2.3. Listen to this guys. When I look back, I'm looking at these charts here. When we look back at like the November, early November, it's up at just under four, 3.9% actually in October. Now we're sitting at 2.3 months of inventory in the condo space. What a change, October, November, December. And why is nobody talking about these quickly dropping months of inventory? I'll, only our show is doing it, let's be honest. Okay, so then you could say, well, maybe they're just taking them off the market. Maybe they're not sitting because it's the winter and they're taking them off. Well, maybe, but listen to this stat because I think this argues that perfectly. 
He also analyzed the weekly terminations of listings as a percentage of sold. The thinking be, I'm going to terminate it and relist it, terminate, relist it in order to keep it kind of fresh, reduce the months of inventory or the days on market, let's say, to try and move these things to keep moving them. But that chart is so alarming on how fast it's dropped. It was well, it looks like it was over a hundred percent of listings that sold had been relisted. Now it's sitting at pretty much the exact same level as the low rise. Actually, that's comparing against 2018, but it's jumped from 100, 168 holy smokes, 168% all the way down to 68% in a matter of October, November, December, two months, two months. People aren't having to relist those properties. They're just selling. These are condos, 416 condos. My goodness. Not to say this is everything, but this is definitely something people should be talking about in the major news outlets. In a couple months from now, when people are talking about how we have incredible stability in the condo space downtown, just remember it was your boy who installed the trampolines on the munition tour, musician tour bus. <laughs> we can sit back and watch everyone else jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> All right, so where are the real bubbles then? Condo's got some support coming in maybe. Maybe, we'll see. I mean, we're over just over two months of inventory, guys. If it tightens anymore, prices are going to start going up. There's going to be some support. So then where's the bubble? Toronto's a bubble. We, I mean, affordability is not a big issue in the greater Toronto area. Where's there a bubble? Guys, I think this needs to be our new conversation. This is a, the one that's brewing underneath and it's going gonna, it's gonna to rise to the surface as we start to get some solutions going in the condo space. Still early for this talk, but something that we need to be thinking about, I believe. Okay, Better Dwelling had an article that says, flight to the burbs. Every real estate market in Ontario is outperforming Toronto. Every real estate market in Ontario is outperforming, outperforming Toronto. I love this little quote here to, to introduce this. The Canadian Real Estate Association data shows every market in Ontario is seeing massive price growth in November. This trend isn't being driven by major cities like Toronto or Ottawa. Instead, small commuter suburbs and cottage countries are what's leading the market. Here's a couple highlights for you. Small cities located throughout the greater Golden Horseshoe made the largest advance last month. The biggest annual gains across Ontario's major markets were all in cottage country regions. And they name a few of them up to almost 30% year over year increases. It's crazy. And they're benchmark prices. And they say for context, greater Toronto's booming market in 2017 only saw this kind of growth for about four months. These are extremely large and odd market gains. Very aggressive gains. Then I see this article, cbc.ca. Analysts warn London, Ontario real estate is poised to become an extreme seller's market in 2021. Analysts are warning real estate in London, Ontario region is poised to become an extreme seller's market driven by an influx of out-of-town buyers seeking more space in the coronavirus pandemic and a dwindling supply of homes for sale. Because there's a lot of people moving into these spaces. There's a whole bunch of buyers, but there's nobody like, it's not like you, you sell in Toronto, move to Toronto. These are people from outside and nobody's going outwards. It's creating tremendous price growth. They say, in fact, the market market has been so volatile that they said the CMHG has had to revise its forecasting because the pandemic has thrown off the normal seasonal rhythms of the industry because we didn't experience this growth in the spring. It's been in the winter time. You can't compare the winter to the winter. This isn't even a winter. It hasn't been much of a winter against what I was kind of hoping for a couple months back. 2020 isn't following the normal annual sales cycle. The consistency is what helps us weigh one year against another. And you know what time of the year fat dudes jump on trampolines? Spring break. <laughs> I know you guys are just like, why? Like, why? I don't know. Why not? 
<laughs> All right. In London, the sales have grown and the listings have not. We just talked about that. Not only are those buyers not freeing up existing homes for someone else to buy, they're also coming armed with a large amount of cash they can use to outbid competing buyers. Ironic. Something real estate agents have been seeing on the ground during the closing months of 2020. The pace, this is the last point they had here. The pace of market activity is unsustainable. What do you think? Do you think we can experience 20, 30% price growth per year on an ongoing basis? Toronto in 2017 says no. Now that didn't just happen. That came with a, a reflex, a psychological change that took place in 2017. But the point is, is you can't just have 30% forever. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So I thought great way to kind of wrap this conversation up is this idea of a bubble. And I'm not saying there's a bubble, but I'm saying if there was a bubble, what would that look like, right? And Zeland had a post that he shared from CMHC in this conversation. This was from back in 2018. CMHC said this, listen, that's how they describe it. Price acceleration occurs when growth in house prices keeps increasing for several quarters, which may cause expectations of future house price growth. People are expecting it. This can attract investors who want to benefit primarily from short-term capital appreciation, leading to further acceleration in house prices. That is, speculative activities can feed on themselves and thus push house prices further in an upward spiral. When I'm coming in here and telling you London is a massive opportunity, are you thinking, wow, don't touch London? Or are you thinking, London? Maybe, I can do London. And I think that that's the mindset that leads and could potentially lead to a bubble. Is that happening in the condo space downtown Toronto? Nuh-uh. Where is it happening? Not in Toronto. So just be careful, friends. Anyways, all that to say, happy Boxing Day. I know today's Boxing Day. We're putting this out. But I hope you guys are having a fantastic happy holidays. And to me, it's been a wonderful year building a relationship with you guys, your friends and family online here on this podcast. Friends are like trampolines. <laughs> I always wanted a trampoline. <laughs> and so thank you again for joining us. This has been the greatest gift for me this year outside of that pretty pimp looking Merry Christmas and happy birthday Jesus sweater. Other than that, thank you so much for the support. Please hit that like button. Leave us a little message on Instagram, comment, whatever, help push the channel. And I will see you guys next time. Take care and keep it real.